Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed. Blender HD. You want to follow me on Twitter? And it's Friday, June 24th. You know what we do on Fridays? It's Fighting Fridays. We fight to the death on Fridays. Maybe not to the death, right? MMA, there are there are rules that they're not going to fight to the death. Well, I'm going to be doing this show to the death. I have a bit of a sore throat today. So uh, now hopefully I don't lose my voice halfway through the show. Maybe it'll be a little shorter show then uh, for, for, for MMA Fighting Fridays. Give me those thumbs ups uh, when you're in here in the chat. Give me the thumbs up, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. There's a big MLB slate today, 14 games, and uh, they'll be taking care of you the rest of the day. Right, live locks on the Scores and Odds channel. Grinders live later today at 5 Eastern Crunch Time, which is free. 6.20. They'll be, they'll be taking care of all of your MLB needs, but we got a, we got a card tomorrow for, for MMA 12 fight card. Late start, 7 o'clock Eastern. So it's almost it almost feels like a pay-per-view card, but it's not. It's only 12, 12 fights. Uh so it's a little bit a little bit smaller. I mean, 12 is I mean, it depends on what you consider to be like normal in MMA. Like nine or ten fights—that's a small card. Eleven is like the cutoff, right? Twelve is like okay, that this is doable. I prefer I prefer fourteen and fifteen fight cards, or at least thirteen. So twelve, you know, you're getting into the realm, especially with some of this pricing, that you're gonna run in. You're gonna run into a lot of a lot of duplicates in certain combinations. Uh, so, so we'll be going over that. Uh, good morning, Suki Singh in the chat. Sharpshooter GX Mari Don Yeezy with the with the coffee, which I don't drink anymore. Uh, I have uh, I have some uh, mango, mango, some type of mango smoothie type of thing that I'm that I'm drinking early in the morning. Okay, so uh, if you want if you want all the the fight breakdowns, you got to subscribe to Roto Grinders Premium. You can just do the MMA. I mean, I would suggest the combo premium. We got all the we got all the sports that get covered under there. You get access to everything. Line FHQ, all the projections for all the sports. All the, you get all you get the the million dollar musings. You get all the slate IQ stuff for for MLB. You get you know, there's so much stuff uh, for for MMA. You get the ground and pound podcast, and then you, you also get the expert survey, which I'm I'm part of, and uh, and we we did almost a two hour. Uh, the two two hour uh, preview, uh, breaking down breaking down all the fights. Liam typically breaks down the fights from a from a from a purely MMA and betting perspective. I apply my my DFS strategy to it, and Mike leads us through the whole way, but a little bit of both. So subscribe to Roto Grinders Premium, rotogrinders.com slash premium. You get ten dollars off your first month if you subscribe today. So go for it. Uh, so looking at my 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 modified odd sheet, so I just have the RG stuff on here. Uh, my model incorporates a bunch of other sites as well, but uh, according to this, uh, I mean, essentially we got we got nine K fighters that are all going to be very well owned. We got Nurmagomedov at ninety five hundred. We got Rockmanov at ninety three hundred, and then the, the main event favorite Armand Sarukian at ninety one hundred. Okay, a lot of the stuff in the mid range is is a mix. Like outside, I think on the underdog side, the the popular plays are going to be Gamrot, which is the the main event underdog, and uh, Rodolfo Vieira, who is plus one forty five inside the distance at a seventy six hundred dollar underdog. 
going against Chris Curtis. Like, that's the fight that's most likely to end in the first round. Like, that's the, the, the shortest fight based on the inside the distance lines. Uh, so I think those types of combinations will be popular. Uh, then we also got, like, Chris Curtis in the mid-range, TJ Brown, a very high upside uh, chain wrestler. I uh, got uh, Chad, uh, Chris Curtis. Like that's that Curtis Vieira fight is gonna it, that's gonna decide the slate. I mean, essentially, either Chris Curtis knocks Vieira out, or Vieira gets a first round submission because Vieira is like one of the best Brazilian Jiu Jitsu practitioners, like in the history of the, that have joined the MMA, that that, that joined the UFC because he, you know he, he didn't fight MMA before, but you know he's a world champion in uh, BJJ. Uh, so it's going to be one or the other, probably. Then we also got this mid-range fight, $8,200, fight between Bies and Durden. We got Bordeaux versus Parisian, which is like two of the worst heavyweights on the entire roster. And uh, someone's going to randomly knock some one of the other guys out in that fight. And then we got Tefan Nchukwi, who actually opened as an underdog, but now is the favorite, minus 125. So he has line value. So his ownership is going to go up a bit. So I I, I would figure in the in the top range, we're going to see like three, basically three 9K fighters. Not Frey, not Moises, uh, but uh, Nurmagomedov, Rachmanov, Sarukian, Nchukwi, Vieira, Gamrod. If you're going to play that style of lineup in large field contests, you might as well just throw it out. Just throw it out. Just chuck it out. You're going to be duplicated too much. Okay? Now, uh, we, I mean, I can just show you right, right in here. Look, what, we do what we normally do every week. We talk about combinations. We're looking to win a large field contest solo if possible, but with as little duplication as, as, as you can. Okay. So we don't even have to go to the combo calculator, right? I mean, we can, like I have this little, little combo calculator, right? I don't know. I don't, these are last week's uh, numbers, but they're about the same. 31,372 entries for the throwdown. I think that's fine, but let's say we put in the top three in ownership. Let's go by, let's go, let's go, even RG ownership. I'm going to go by like my aggregate of mine. I'm just adjusting. This is my final ownership. But let's say we got the 49, 42, and 44. Okay, so we're going to put that in. 49, 42, 44. 49, 42, 44. We got a product ownership, projected ownership of 9%. 9, 2,841 lineups potentially having that exact three combinations. If we if we lock these guys in, the average salary remaining for three fighters is 73.67. And assuming that you're not stacking, like how many combinations could there be? Because I mean these are these are you can't use three of the four of the biggest underdogs. So like we're gonna I'll press the build button. How many combinations are there? 13. 13 combinations in total. Even, even if you leave salary, you barely could even leave salary on the table. 49-4. If you just play the two, right. If you play Shylin, Demopolis, and Giagos. Right. That's still 181% total ownership. I mean, 13 lineups. So the average duplication of 13 lineups. I mean, look, 218. And if we go, if we go to to like, let's go by the highest projected. Like, if you're going to play this lineup, for instance, 50,000, right? Is this the highest owned? I think this is the highest owned. Yes. Those three guys, plus Kelleher, Vieira, and Demopolis, like, good luck. 
good luck on good luck on your your three dollars or whatever that you you're gonna split first seven hundred ways for for a couple of bucks or something whatever it is. If you're playing one entry, sure. I mean, it's not it's not profitable. I, I always have to defend myself. That's like yes, even on one slate, it's like well, I I spent fifteen dollars and I won first and I split and I got six hundred and thirty two dollars. It's like if you well if you did that every day, every slate or whatever, you'd lose money. To be a duplicate like 400 times. So this is the type of lineup that you just throw out. Even, even in small field, this may be duped several times. Right, 50,000 in salary, right? Here's another 50 of Vieira, Nurnbecki, and Diagos. A little bit lower on because you got Nurnbecki and Diagos are a little bit lower. But still, this will be this could be duplicated, I don't know, 70 times. People are going to try to jam in these three guys, especially with Vieira. Vieira's probably going to be 30-plus percent owned. We even see some of these, Paiva, Shailin, Demopolis, like the, the, none of these combos, none of them. None of them are good, okay? Now, let's say you just had the top two. So we we missed the, the main event, top two and Gamrot, okay? So if you're not playing Sarukin, a lot of people are going to be playing Gamrot, a 31% owned. Okay, so we're going to do 43 what are we doing based based on based on my my odds? Uh, let's see. So the top two, 49 and 42 and 31 and 32. Okay. So 49, 42, 32. 49, 42, 32. Well, I mean, I mean, we don't have 13 combinations, but still 6.59 product projected ownership. Like how many combinations? Okay, we have eight, 80. 33 left. I mean, there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of combinations of Nurmega Madoff, Rachmanov, and Gamrot. So you wouldn't be playing Sarukin in this lineup. So I'm going to press the button. Still get plenty. You still get plenty of lineups at 8,000 remaining salary. And we made maybe over 300. Just take a look. I mean, because even, even if we get, uh, we get 300. I mean, if it ends up being over 300, I mean, nope, you're going to get some unique lineups, even at 300. Some won't be. For three remaining spots. Okay, so so it's enough. You could probably find lineups even with two of them. So I'm not, so I don't necessarily have to make a group of only one of these three. I can make Nomega Madoff, Rockmanoff lineups. There's, there's enough of them. But like, are, is there a secondary combination that I shouldn't be making? So let's go here. So we already, obviously, Sarukin we threw out. Playing all three of these guys, Nurmega Madoff, Rockwood, and Sarukin just out of the question. Okay, so let's let's throw in another, let's throw in Vieira. So like Vieira at, at like 30-ish percent as another underdog, right? Average remaining player salary is 82.50. Okay, so... We're going to go back into the, the combo calculator. Fighter 4 is like 30% owned. So 1.98 product ownership. About 2% of Linus will have this, this about this exact combination. 620 in the large field contest. So now let's see how many combinations of this there are. Gamrot, Vieira, Nurmega Madoff, Rachmanov. 70. So we go here with a combo calculator. We put in 70. 
Average dupes eight. Okay, maybe some of them have. A, a, you could be unique. I don't know. Average dupes eight. Let's take a look at the uh, the, the salary ranges. So yeah, at forty nine nine maybe, but let's say the salary low to high. Yeah, like forty seven seven. Like this this would probably be a unique lineup. I'm not saying it would be a gr- great from a win probabilities perspective playing four underdogs on the slate, but at least at these low low salary ranges. Like we saw on this, like this, whenever this number here is average dupes. So, I mean, some lineups could be duped 40 times and other lineups could be unique or duped twice or something. So this isn't an exact, this this is a very blunt methodology on trying to figure out if your lineups are too duplicated. So there are some lineups, as long as you leave money on the table, enough money on the table. We go, we go salary high to low. I mean, like this type of line. I mean, Jude, I mean, Frey isn't going to be that owned, but still, even in this combination, like this lineup could still be duped over five times. We we'll take a look at over here. Ulberg buys fifty thousand. Yeah, like these fifty k lineups. Like if I were to have these four four fighters together, like Nurmega Madoff, Rockmanov, Gamron, Vieira, I'd probably say I'd, I don't want these fifty k lineups. Maybe I don't mind the 49-5 lineups. Maybe I don't mind the 49K lineups. You know, you hope Gamrot wins the main event, scores over 100 points, Vieira, first round sub, Rockman of New Mega Madoff smash, and then you're fine. So these are, do- these are, the- there are some lineups in this combination that could be doable, but at a very low salary range. So it'll be the type of thing in lineup HQ that if you wanted some of those lineups, I would make a separate build for those. And let's say you wanted 10 of those style of lineups that you just pick the 10 that you want out of there. And then you make a group for your main build that doesn't have any of them. Because in your main build, in your main build, you could possibly spend 50,000 salary and still get a unique lineup. It's, I mean, it's less probable that, you know, there's less of the, the 49.5 plus lineups that are going to be unique. But there are going to be some there are. Okay, so let's let's try this now. Instead of Gamrot, we put Vieira there, and we take out Rachmanov and put in Sarukin, the main event favorite. Okay, we're just looking for the highest owned fighters. Okay, we can't play Gamrot, and we also play Curtis, who also should be 30% owned. Okay, so average remaining player salary is seventy six hundred. This is gonna be this is gonna be tight. Okay, let's look at let's look at the uh, ownership. So we're gonna be doing Nurmega Madoff at forty nine, Sarukian at forty four, Curtis at thirty four, forty nine, forty four, thirty four, Vieira thirty three, forty nine, forty four, thirty four, forty nine. 49, 34, 44, 33. Okay. That's with Vieira in the lineup. We'll go back here. We'll lock that in. Right. Here we go. These four. 7,600 remaining average salary. Let's see how many combinations there are. Oh, oh, hello. It's giving me an error now. Can I can I do this? Let me reload. I guarantee you there aren't enough combinations. It's 2% of lineups, and there's only two spots remaining. 
and it's 76 average salary. I can't see there being what? What, maybe 30 combinations? Maybe. I reloaded this. Right, I, I should get something. Right, Durden. Uh, you may not even be able to get the combinations because, well, two underdogs. No, you should be able to fit fit things in here. No, I don't care. I don't know. I don't know why it's not giving me these four. You should be able to fit right, even without Gamrot. Or, or maybe I'm wrong because you can put in Magni. You can put in Demopolis, right? That's forty-eight-seven. So yeah, there are combinations. I don't know why lineup HQ isn't uh, isn't running with this. Let's say I do it without with without Vieira. Okay, there we go. We're gonna get plenty of combos for the last the last three spots. So there's no point in doing that. But this is the way I'm showing you how to way to use lineup HQ to experiment to see what what groups. What groups create the most duplicated lineups? Not what groups, not what groups are more likely to win or whatever. It's quite possible that that 50k lineup with the Mega Madoff, Sarukian, and uh Rachmanov with Demopolis and Kelleher and and what and whatever, like that 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 could be that could be the most likely lineup to win. To win first. But when it wins first, it wins first 400 ways. I'd rather take a little less win probability. But when first solo, when first under five dupes, you make more money. And that's what expected value is. That's why in this show, I'm not necessarily talking about the, the fights. What's most likely to happen? It's like, no, what lineups are less likely to be duped while still having a high enough win probability? So I'm not suggesting you go in and go, okay, I'm going to just lock in, let's see, like the, the, the six biggest underdogs. Right, one, two, three, four. That, yeah, that's unique, right? You're spending forty-two, two. You're leaving seventy-eight hundred on the table, and this is probably this is going to be a unique line. I could guarantee it. But what's the likelihood of not only six of these five, the six biggest underdogs winning, but winning and also putting up the optimal score, where where they're also the top, the six highest scoring fighters. So it's not just winning. Right? Oh, maybe they all maybe they all win and they all get 70 points and you still don't even cash. You probably do okay. Yeah. If they if all these guys, if all of them win, you, you're gonna cash because of all the ownership on the other end of the spectrum. Right? If Maness and Magni both, you know, win a low scoring decision and that all these are low scoring type of things, like you yeah, yeah. The tons of tons of all these other guys are gonna have very low scores also. But I can it, it's it's very unlikely that this type of lineup is is the optimal lineup. So there's a balance between being unique, being less duplicated. Does do you have to be absolutely unique? No. You have to be unique enough that it's plus EV for your lineup over a long period of time to be profitable. So some lineups with decent win probability may be duped two or three times, and that's still profitable because even a three-way split for first is worth it for that win probability. Some have less win probability, so you better make sure it's unique. Right? Imagine playing that six underdog lineup, the six biggest underdogs, and going, this has the lowest likelihood of, of, of coming in first place, and then it's duplicated by one other person. Like, you're dead. You're dead at that point. Like, the lower the win probability of the lineup in total, 
the more that duplication affects it. Imagine there was one lineup that was way higher to win than anything else. And that was going to be duplicated 12 times. I mean, it probably would be more than that. The difference between 12 times and 13 times is not dramatic. Because of the outsized win probability of that lineup. And a low probability lineup, you better make sure it's unique. The lower you go, the more that duplication will hurt you. Okay. Mari Donizzi is hitting all the YouTube buttons for me. Yeah, hit that, hit that thumbs up button. It'll be a short show. I'm scratchy throat. I don't know. I don't know if it's allergies. It's been hot. I'm I'm in I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. Apparently it's horrible in the Ohio Valley for allergies. But uh according to according to my odd sheet, let's go, let's go here to my copy. The highest rated fighter in my model, I, I knew what it was gonna be, but before I even started, uh, is Jin Yu Fry. Uh, that doesn't make me feel good. And only because of ownership. Like she's plus 265 inside the distance at a minus 225 money line. It's the first fight of the night. It's a women's fight, 9,200, 7,000. And neither of these, neither of them are good. These are, this is the this low level women's MMA. And, uh, and no one, and people are going to play Demopolis. Because they're gonna need someone low. If they can, if you're gonna try to jam in three nine k fighters, you're gonna need someone other than Gamron in this low end. So I think people, since barely anyone's gonna play Frey, they're gonna play Demopolis, and she sucks also, right? Demopolis pretty much just gets pummeled on the feet. She can't wrestle, even though she can submit someone. But how does that get to the mat? Who knows? This this fight is is awful. I put I put in the expert survey as the fight that least likely to target. But the fact that Frey is even plus 265 inside the distance, plus 525 in the first round for Jin Yu Frey. Right? Most people you you look at the analysis and go, Jin Yu Frey, first round finish. And you go, how likely is that? Right? They'll act, people will act as if that can never happen. No. First round finish for Jin Yu Frey? Well, according to the betting line, it's 16%. Okay, that is a low probability. Okay, I get it. It's low probability. But if her ownership is going to be under that, then why not take a shot? Am I going to have a lot of that? No. But I, I know the reason why her rating is going to be high in my in my sheet. And it's primarily due to the ownership. Her efficient ownership probably should be like 18%. And she's probably, she may even be 10. She may be single digit. She may come in at 9% owned. The problem is with Frey is that even if she wins, in the, even if she wins in the first round, let's say, and scores, let's say, 107 points. Well, it's quite possible that Mega Madoff, Rachmanov, and Sarukian could outscore that. It's possible TJ Brown outscores that. It's possible Curtis or Morozov or Bordeaux Visor Durden. I mean, like, there's a lot of guys that can score 100 plus points on this slate. The least likely to be able to do so as a favorite is Jin Yu Fry, and she's 9,200. She has to be like a top four scorer on the slate to be optimal. So it's not just the ownership and the odds or whatever. Yeah, she rates out well because of ownership compared to the odds. But it's still possible that, yes. It's possible she gets a first round finish and still doesn't be, be isn't optimal. 
Only because we have so many other fighters in this range that can be. On a different slate, I'd end up with more of her. Right? Where if the if the guy, if the, the, the fighters above them are also like decision point fighters, not grapplers. You know, we had like Adrian Yanez last week. Right? Someone that I, I don't expect. Yeah, maybe they score 100, 105. But can they score 130? Probably not. But we have too many of those types of guys on this slate. Look at all these inside the distance lines for the favorites. Ginu Fry is the highest inside the distance. TJ Brown is also plus 265, but TJ Brown could, could have 14 takedowns this fight. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know about 14, but a lot. So TJ Brown could get 120 plus points in a decision. Fry, most likely not. 7 million strikes or something. I don't know how she'd do it. So it's a $9,200 fit. Like if, if Fry was $8,400, that would be a different story. But she's a minus 225 favorite. Really, if, if based on the win odds currently, if they repriced the slate on DraftKings, she'd be $9,000. Right? You could just go by the money, the money line, just sort the money line in order. And then that's, that's how they price on DraftKings. So you could see where the line value is. And this is more for cash games probably. But like Sir, like Sarukian would be ninety two hundred, Moises would be ninety one hundred, Frey would be nine thousand, right? T.J. Brown would still would still be eighty nine hundred, Batista would still be eighty seven hundred. Then we'd have Marazov at eighty six, right? So he has a hundred dollars worth of line value. Then we'd have Curtis at eighty five. And then we'd have Nchukwi at 84. So he has has, has $500 worth of line value. 83, Bordeaux. So he's a little overpriced by 100. And then the the, the, the Bides and Durden would still be in that range. And Olberg would be a 79. Well, actually, Parisian would be 7,900. And Olberg would be 7,700, I believe. No, 7900 7800 So Olberg is actually $500 overpriced. If they, if DK redid the pricing as of now, based on how they normally do it. So that's why like Olberg is going to be much less on because he's priced as an $8,300 favorite when he, the line is now shifted so that Nchukwi is the favorite and he's $400 cheaper, which makes it a decent leverage play. The problem with this fight is like, like, Olberg is basically to 100 points. He doesn't wrestle. He needs a, basically a first-round knockout, and if he doesn't get that, I don't see how he scores 100 points. He's just he's just a kickboxer. But these are the considerations that are going in. So, uh, like, uh, looking at even at these ratings here, so, obviously, Nurmagomedov, Rachmanov rate out well. Just due to the ceiling. I mean, and inside the distance line. Frey rates out well only due to ownership. If she, if you told me she was 22% owned, she would rate horribly. Like if I change this to so it comes out 30%, yeah, she'd be the worst. You'd be horrible. Right? So she only rates well because I expect her to be like 10 to 14% owned. Mo- the Moises Giagos fight rates out as under owned on both sides. This is also a fight that could easily, if Moises wins, 
and it's this. It, this could be a slow-paced fight. So Moises at nine thousand, he could win, and in a decision, may only score seventy-two points. That's the problem with this fight. This fight would look much better if Giagos is much is aggressive, <clears throat> going for takedowns, and it forces Moises to actually fight. That if that happens. This fight is actually under-owned. Not by that much, but it's under-owned somewhat. Uh, then we got uh, Saruki. In the main, to me, I have the main event as, as, as significantly enough over-owned. Saruki and Gamrot. Now, it should be an exciting main event, but I think it, it, I think there's an outsized percentage of the time that people are... are uh, considering that this fight plays out on its feet more than people think. Because both of these guys could wrestle well. Now, Sarukian, I would say, would be a better wrestler than Gamrot. Then on the feet, Sarukian is more technical than Gamrot, but Gamrot's very durable. And Sarukian has no problem. If he doesn't need to wrestle, he'll just... He has no problem just getting into a, just a striking fight and that's it and win win a 4 to 1 you know decision and be fine and with uh Nurmagomedov and Rockmanov above him and then he got TJ Brown and all these other guys that could get knockouts maybe Tsurukian goes the distance maybe there's only one or two takedowns and maybe he only scores 95 points for 44% ownership that's why I have him I have him rated lower Save for Gamrod on the other side. Gamrod, I have his over-owned. Brown, I, Brown, I in fact, have his a little over-owned also. His ceiling is immense, though. I have Curtis's over-owned. He, Curtis, I'll, I'll be under the field significantly on Curtis. That's why the expert survey, he's the guy that I'm most afraid of being underweight. Because at 8,600, he could, he could get a quick win bonus. And then... I'm dead. Then we have guys like uh, like Rodolfo Vieira, who's projected to be like 33 or something percent owned, and I still have that as slightly under-owned. It's just that his inside-the-distance line for his price is so ridiculous that he should be like 40% owned. Now, maybe he ends up being 40% owned, but I think he'll end up like somewhere in the 32 to 34 range. Then I have like Paiva. Well, Paiva's uh, inside the distance odds actually came up. They were like 320, and now they're plus 275. So he's become a little bit better, but I think he's gonna he's gonna be a little over-owned. I think Kelleher is gonna be over-owned. I think Keller's fine for like cash cash games if you need an underdog in that range. Like Giagos is not a like a cash game play. That's total tournament play. But I think you, you, I think any of these guys, like Pi, even Paiva, I guess, like Paiva, Vieira, Kelleher, and and Shailin, like the only one I'm confident, more confident, more confident that could put up a hundred points out of the four of them is Vieira, because of submissions and reversals and whatever on the ground. Paiva could get a submission, but he's less likely to really engage in wrestling. And Kelleher is most likely to be striking on the feet. And Shyland, I don't even know, doesn't even do anything. <laughs> like he's a, he'll go, he'll go three, we'll go 15 minutes and score like 
30 points. Like, I, I don't I don't even know what he does well. Yeah, Peter Corey in chat says, Curtis Vieira is like minus 720 inside the distance, right, to finish. Right, exactly. Now, round to see that here, here, here's a way that the fight busts. Bust for the optimal. I'm not saying bust to cash. Is if Vieira spends the entire first round, Vieira takes him down and spends the entire first round trying to get a sub and doesn't get a sub. So Vieira gets like 25 to 30 points in the first round. And then Curtis in the beginning of the second round just knocks him out. So he gets like 80 points, 82 or something. That's how the fight busts. So yes, it's inside. Yeah, you're right. Minus 20 inside the distance for the whole fight. And then it busts. And it still busts. But there are more paths for Vieira to get 100 points than Curtis. Right, because Curtis basically, I mean, he's not gonna, he's not gonna, not gonna wrestle. Definitely not against Rodolfo Vieira. So basically, he's he's knockout or bust. Not gonna probably first round knockout or bust for a hundred at least. Vieira with the with the ground game, maybe he could score a hundred points in a decision even. Right, one takedown each round. Curtis somehow survives the first two rounds, third round, still survives, and Vieira ends up with 20, 25 points a round, right? Ends up with 100, 105 points. That's viable. It's unlikely to go to decision. Most likely, if he lands a takedown in each round, Vieira's probably going to get a submission out of one of those three rounds. Unlikely, Curtis is able to survive three, uh, you know, high-level BJJ uh, ground attempts, unless unless obviously Curtis just gets up each time, but I'm just assuming that the fight plays out on on the ground more often. But it's a nice card. It's a very it's a high variance card. Inside that mid range, outside of Omega Madoff, Rockmanoff, and Sarukian, there's a lot of combos you can make in this mid range, and I would not be shocked. I my 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 hot take, it's on the expert survey. My hot take. And my hot take never deals with the outcomes of fights. It has to do with, like, what's the optimal lineup? My hot take is that the optimal, or at least the winning GPP lineup, only has one 9K fighter. Okay? Only one 9K fighter. So only one of Nurmega Madoff, Rockmanoff, Fry, Suruki, and Moises. Because inside this mid-range, I think there are a lot of guys that could get 100 points. I think Brown could get 100 points. Batista, a little bit lower probability. Curtis, obviously, in a first-round knockout can. Marzov can. He, he could he could get 100 in a decision if he wrestles a bunch. He could get a knockout. Him and Piva. Piva just stands there. He doesn't move his head. Bordeaux Parisian is just a, a random knockout waiting to Hackman on either side. Olberg and Chukwe. And Chukwe, if he wrestles and Olberg can't get up, and Chukwe could even get 100 in a decision, but Olberg could just knock him out, right? He's all, and Tefan got knocked out, you know what, a couple of months ago. Durden could, could could have like 10 takedowns. He doesn't do anything with them, but Durden could have a bunch of takedowns. Bys could have a first-round submission. That's 100 points. Keller could get a knockout. Giagos could land eight takedowns. Gamrot obviously could win against Sarukian and score 100. Like I just see a lot, a lot of, a lot of P 
people outside of the 9K range that have a reasonable enough chance at 100 points. So if that's the case, like unless two of these 9K guys both get like 130, 140 points, if we get five guys in this range, in this range, five fighters in this mid-range that score 100, 110 points, the only way to fit those guys in is only with one 9K fighter. You're not going to be able to have you're not going to be able to have two of your Mega Madoff, Rockmanoff, and Saruki. You're going to only need to have, like, it's only going to be one. Even though all these three guys could put up 100-plus points, but one of them puts up 130. And then some of these other guys put up 105, 102, 115 or something. And in order to fit them in, you're going to, you, do, you only can, you only can only fit in, salary-wise, one 9K fighter. Is that the most likely outcome? No, it isn't. But to me, that's the path of win probability and duplication. If you were to limit your lineups to only one 9K fighter, I think your your path to unique lineups is, is better. Doesn't mean you can't find lineups with two 9K fighters that are unique. You can. I probably still will have some. But that's why my hot take is that. Only one 9K fighter is in the optimal lineup. Sharpshooter GX says, after MMA, uh, how's your experiment going? It's only been four days. I'm down a little. But remember, it's four days. I'm playing three mans and five mans. And contests that pay in that type of structure. So my expectation should be to win only one out of every three to five days. Right? Three or four days. Right. If I win one every four days, I should be profitable because I'm only playing those types of contests. So like yesterday, yesterday, poorly on FanDuel, but doubled my money on in total uh, on DraftKings. So I'm also playing both sites. So like the day before that, like I had a great, great on FanDuel. I've tripled my money on FanDuel, but pretty much lost it all on DraftKings. Then the day before that, it was the opposite. Now, the day before that, it was a break even on DraftKings. And then I made like 3X on FanDuel. And the, but the first day, I lost on both sides. But the first day, if you remember on the Tuesday show, I don't think I was different enough. And I don't think it wouldn't have mattered. I think I would have lost regardless of what I did. But I need a way, way bigger sample size. This is like, this, this experiment is going to have to last weeks and weeks. And for the most part, I'm judging stuff in the beginning by how different am I projection versus ownership of in my three man's five man's 10 man's triple ups, just downloading the triple update, like the 62 man DK triple up and seeing where I was off. Like I, I thought that there'd, there'd be more overlap between these two, two players in their world. There wasn't. And there was way more overlap between these two players. That's pretty much what I'm trying to do. How do I how do I play the highest projected lineup that has the least amount of overlap with my opponents? So obviously gonna have to judge it that way. Same way in GPP, I'm judging based on ownership, right? If I play Jin Yu Fry in lineups, expecting leverage, expecting her to be 10% owned, and she comes in at 22, then my lineups are all screwed up. Now I don't think she's gonna come in at 22% owned. But the lineups, if they if they're too chalky, then it's because I miscalculated ownership and built my lineups poorly based on that. 
Sometimes you luck into the other way. Sometimes you make an accident and actually, oh, I thought this guy would be be very, very popular and he ends up being low-owned. And those lineups actually are way too leveraged. But I'd almost rather be in GPP too leveraged than too chalky. But yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need obviously more data on, on the, uh, the MLB three-man, five-man, triple up, double up. I'm making two lineups also. So I'm making one lineup for, quote, cash, which aren't double ups, but, you know, triple up pluses. And then one lineup for like the single entry, uh, small field GPPs. So like it, it basically one lineup is just whatever the least overlapped optimal is. And the other lineup is that same type of lineup, but with a five man stack. So that's pretty much the difference. So like the in the progressive payout, GPPs, like I'm playing a stack, but in the triple ups, quintuple ups where, yeah, you still need to get up to like nine out of 31 or five out of 28. Uh, but once you get up to five out of 28, you don't get any more, more money. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need to play a stack in those contests. If I'm not playing an overlapping lineup with a lot of the field, but for like the 121 single entry on DraftKings, yeah, I'm going to play a five man stack. Five-man stack, assuming it's a large enough. At 14 games late tonight, it's going to be a five-man stack. Well, but uh, after 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 a couple of weeks, uh, I'll, I'll load the stuff into Roto Tracker. We'll take a look at it. We'll do that during the, the MLB days. But today's MMA. So if you want to if you want to find out more, break down the fights. Go subscribe to Roto Grinders Premium. Get the combo package. You get the MLB. Get everything. Get all of the all of the the, the the tools, plate IQ, the slate IQ, the smash percentage tool, the the everything. The lineup, you get full access to lineup against you, all the projections, all the ownership, all the sports, all the everything. You get to listen to the MMA Grounded Pound podcast. That's premium. The expert survey, premium for MMA. Lineup lineup HQ is the, the, to me the best tool. I mean, I would pay just just for that. I mean, I have. I have in the past, right? I was a Roto Grinders subscriber way before I was a host here. So I eat my own dog food. So click on that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. Give me those thumbs ups. Give me the thumbs up button on your way out the door. On your way out the door, hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. You'll know when when everyone goes live later today. They'll be going over the MLB slate. 5 o'clock Eastern, Grinders Live. 6.20, crunch time, presented by... FanDuel, and uh, yeah, I'll be playing MLB tonight, continuing on my experiment, and then the MM, MMA slate, UFC tomorrow. Still got that tiebreaker. I got a uh, four-man tiebreaker, top two. Let's see how many ties there are going to be in this one. But uh, I'll, I'll I'll see you. I'll see you on the other side of the weekend, back on Mondays. So I'll be back with James on Mondays. We'll be talking about stuff and uh, answering your DFS strategy questions, as I always do, on the DFS pregame show. On rotogrinders.com. <laughs>